Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Teacher of the Film Buff podcast. So I did say at the end of last week's episode that I was planning on doing another top 10 list uh, this week in honor of the release of The Art of Racing in the Rain, which is a a dog movie if I want to put it into one particular genre. Um, I was going to do top 10 dogs in film. Uh, Decided against that. Maybe we'll do that uh, next week or sometime down the line i wanted to kind of do something differently especially since august is kind of the end of the blockbuster movie slash big release that the studio has put put out and kind of the beginning of where we transition into the oscar bait and i hate using that term but a lot of movies are strictly oscar bait movies uh, we kind of head into that territory so i wanted to actually do a mid-year Oscar awards sort of handout here. And let's let's put aside the fact that I've only seen, I think, 64 2019 released movies. Obviously, I've seen around 210 movies this year, but about you know 60 to 63 to 65, I don't remember what the exact number is, uh, actually 2019 released movies. So this is not a lot of movies to to actually choose from but i've seen the big movies i've seen the the movies that people say might be up for oscar uh, contenders that have actually been released to the public um, so again this is strictly movies that i have seen there are a couple movies i'm sure that are probably in contention that i just have not uh, got around to seeing whether that be a streaming movie that was released on netflix or something that there was a you know very small released uh, in theaters to qualify or maybe it's an amazon movie that was in theaters for a week or so and then is going to go right on to amazon prime you know there's there's again i've only seen just over 60 movies but this is that's why this is you know this is my podcast this is why uh, these are the awards that i would be giving out not necessarily the most likely winners but who i would personally pick to win the top six oscars as they say um, I believe, did I do six categories? Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, um, six, seven, eight. okay, eight, eight categories. So the four acting I did, the, the two screenplay, directing, and best picture. What people contend to be the top eight Oscars or the big eight, okay? So first, I'm going to start off with uh, discussing the original screenplay Oscar, which in my opinion is the single best category so far this year i think the the best the best actually um released for this category the most stacked uh, clearly for me it's the original screenplay there's some categories on here i struggle to even get three or four that i would even consider um for a nomination so going down the line here for original screenplay i'm gonna start at the mustang which is actually one of the most recent films i saw um Written by Laurie de Clermont Tonera, uh, Mona Fastfold, let's see, Brock, Norman Brock. Um, so those are the three writers that were attached to it. Um, and The Mustang is one of those movies that it's, it's such a, it's a very slow, it's a quiet movie. Not a ton happens plot wise, but you really do somehow care for this prison inmate who's taking. Um, sort of the reins of, of a horse um, just outside of a prison. It's this sort of camp, if you will, where inmates are 
kind of rehabilitated by training horses to be purchased for like outside law enforcement. It's a very interesting plot that I didn't think, I didn't even know this type of story existed. Um, so that in itself is a, is a plus for being on the original screenplay list. But but I really do love De Claremont, uh, uh, her, her particular style for this movie. I think uh, the way it's written, the way the characters, sometimes they have a couple monologues that are great. Bruce Stern has some really, really, really great moments towards the end of the film. Um, and, and it's it's just a well-written, more or less well-directed movie. Um, you know, solid like 8 out of 10. I don't think that this movie will really be up for original screenplay at the end of the year. Um, but that's just one to consider. Another one to consider for me, another smaller movie would be The Art of Self-Defense. Uh, written by Riley Stearns. I honestly, when I saw the trailers for this movie, it had that that A24, I think it is A24 actually, but it had that you know A24 focus features vibe where it's a very low budget uh, kind of story that quite often gets swept under the rugs. It's a story about a, a man who gets beaten up and then kind of uh, you know enrolls himself in a, in a karate class to you know learn self-defense. And, and the plot takes some really, really crazy turns. Um, ultimately kind of predictable in a way, but uh, really, really well-written movie, so I thought that that would be a nice uh, nod there. Also, in, in consideration uh, will be Wild Rose. That would be written by Nicole Taylor. I think written and directed by Nicole Taylor. If I'm wrong, it could be, maybe it's Tom Harper directed that, I think. maybe Yeah, it is Tom Harper. Um, but Wild Rose is another, um, you know, under the radar, probably not a movie that's going to be in contention at the end of the year just because it just didn't get seen by enough people sadly um, but it's it, it's almost like a star is born uh, meets like sing street meets maybe begin again almost it's got that really uh dramatic heft to it but also um it, it's just you know it's a feel-good film too so uh, i i really really fell in love with wild rose earlier this summer it's one of my favorite movies of the year, so I really hope that's in contention as well. I also wrote down Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, of course, uh, written by Quentin Tarantino, um, and The Farewell, written by Lulu Wang. Both of those movies feel so personal and feel so um, like the, the writer is entranced in the, the actual story that they're telling. So, of course, in Lulu Wang's um, position, she was... You know, writing about her life. This is a, a true story about her relationship with her grandma. Um, and in Once Upon a Time's case with Quentin Tarantino, he's writing about what he felt about Hollywood at the time when he was a child and, and how much he loved certain actresses and certain certain stories that were being told on screen and um, sort of the myths and, and lore of Hollywood itself, sort of the, the beautiful cinematography and the beautiful views of Hollywood, even when... Uh, you know, when you actually go to Hollywood, there are quite a few areas that aren't that beautiful. Um, but but I love that he, you know, he focused on, in his script, he focused on a couple characters. Like, you wouldn't normally have a, a story about a stuntman. But this is truly Brad Pitt's story. It's not DiCaprio's story. It's not really Margot Robbie's Sharon Tate's story. This is Brad Pitt's arc. Um, and so I, I really love that angle. So that certainly deserved a script or a, a nomination there. And of course, the farewell deserved one as well, specifically for some of the the emotional beats that she's able to capture within the script. But 
with all those nominations in that stacked category I just kind of went through there, to me, there's still nothing that compares to the script for Booksmart, of course. And that was written by Emily Halpern, Sarah Haskins, Susanna Fogel, and Katie Silverman. So four women there on the script, um, and of course, directed by Olivia Wilde. This probably will, I can't imagine this not being in my top 10, maybe still even in my top five by the year end. Uh, absolutely adore this movie. I think Olivia Wilde did a great job directing. We may or may not talk about that in a couple categories here, but um, I really, really found the script um, to be t particularly poignant. It's also very hilarious. Uh, it builds this world of, of high school characters in a way, just like you know movies like Superbad did. Um, it, it you just you so memorable when you have memorable characters you, that immediately goes back to the actor or actress and the script the the screenplay. Um, so really, all four of these ladies, and I'm sure Olivia Wilde had a little bit to do with the script here and there, did a wonderful job crafting this story, and that would be my choice for best original screenplay at this time. Now let's go to a little bit less stacked category. Still some you know valid contenders, but. Um, I don't think they're anywhere near as good as the original screenplay category, and that's the adapted screenplay category. So uh, a couple of uh, mentions here before we get to my winner, because this one's not going to take as long as the original screenplay. I can promise you that. You know, I did, I, I gave some credit here to Fighting With My Family, written by Stephen Merchant. I think it's a great story. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a great screenplay. I just don't think it has, you know, any sort of, validation come Oscar season sadly of course but a movie about a wrestler uh, if it's not named the wrestler with Mickey Rourke I don't think is is going to get any sort of love next February um, Toy Story 4 also had a great screenplay and that's what I almost written, wrote that down specifically because I think the other movie Toy Story 3 was nominated for best adapted screenplay and I'm actually not sure if that's considered adapted or not because technically you could say it's adapted because it's based on characters in another movie, but it's a completely original screenplay. It's not based on a book or a comic book or anything like that. So I'm not even totally sure if that counts, but that one is written by Stephanie Folson and Andrew Stanton, amongst other people. I know uh, early on Rashida Jones is very involved in the script process um, there as well. Of course, I had to give love to my favorite movie of the year still, which is How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World, written by Dean DeBlow. Deploy. I think that that's a really well done screenplay as well, but more because of the last, uh, what would that be, 15, 20 minutes where I, I, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast already, but I could not stop crying uh, the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. Um, so, but I think that that almost has more to do with uh, Dean DeBlois directing and sort of the visuals that they were ever able to craft there. The screenplay is very good, um, but I don't know that there was any particular dialogue. It's more of the visual cues in the movie that, that, that give me the goosebumps and, and, and make me tear up. But let's face the facts. If we're talking about adapted screenplay so far, okay, so far, I think that clearly the one that deserves the most credit is Avengers Endgame. And that would be written by Steve uh, Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus, um, of course, they they wrote, uh, I believe, Captain America, the first Avenger. They wrote Captain America, Winter Soldier, Captain America, Civil War, Avengers, Infinity War, and now Avengers Endgame. 
it's about time they get some more credit. Um, I know the Russo brothers get a ton of credit, credit, um, you know, as they have the last four movies. But Marcus McFeely, I mean, they they have really, really helped the Russo brothers balance having 30-plus main characters in a movie. And I think that that's probably the most impressive part of Avengers Endgame is that, yes, you know, Captain Marvel's only in it for a limited period of time. You know, perhaps a lot of the heroes towards the end that, that come back, spoiler alert, are only in the movie for a little bit. They're only in it for 30 to 40 minutes at most. Um, but but that's also worth noting is that they, they took the time in the middle hour of the movie to really delve deep into the three main characters. And I guess you could even include Hawkeye and Black Widow in it. Um, but the storylines of Captain America, Iron Man, Thor... All three of them, three of those have a, a wonderful send off and a wonderful final farewell um, in the movie, particularly poignant towards the middle uh, when they're kind of traveling back in time to you know, former, either former lives of other people that they known or, or uh, particular events that they went through themselves. So I found that that you know screenplay was particularly impactful. So. As of now, that would be my vote for adapted screenplay. Uh, let's move on to the directing, which I did kind of already mention. A lot of the choices uh, for screenplay are going to end up in the directing pile. Um, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Quentin Tarantino. I've already kind of mentioned how important he was to that movie and how much you can just sense his his style and his energy through every shot. Um, the Farewell, directed by Lulu Wang. Like I said, she's directing her her story and it's it's almost that much more impressive that she's able to um you know give us a window into her life um in a particular emotional way that feels very personal but it's also very relatable to almost everyone who sees it and i, I talked about that more in my written review um but but that i i really do think that lulu wang did a wonderful job directing that i hope that movie doesn't get forgotten about come award season but we shall see. Um, another one I did mention earlier would be Tom Harper, who directed Wild Rose, and Olivia Wilde directing Booksmart. Um, so both those movies, sadly, will probably be forgotten as well come award season. Um, but Wild Rose is just a wonderful, wonderful ride, uh, dramatically, as uh, the main character played by Jesse Buckley tries her darndest to get from Glasgow to Nashville Tennessee to become a country music star um, and just it you know it's just not going her way for the most part throughout the throughout her life well so you know in the movie there's many trials and tribulations many different angles that the story comes from and Tom Harper balances that well and Olivia Wilde it's funny because you know this is her first uh, directorial you know it's her debut behind the camera with Booksmart and it does not feel at all like it is someone's first movie um, one particular scene that I just, I was, my mind was blown that this is the first time director was the long take um, after the party where Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein, the best friends, of course, in the movie, uh, the camera kind of pans around them as they're having that argument and slowly and slowly the music kind of builds up as well as the characters around them kind of start, start to slowly stare at them and the tension between them and the camera doesn't cut once between this whole fight and I just found that really, really powerful and, a, and an interesting and unique way to film that sort of scene. So uh, I thought that, you know, that was worth mentioning for Olivia Wilde there. But, you know, 
I can't help but give this award to the Russo brothers who directed Avengers Endgame. Again, it comes back to the same thing I said with Marcus McFeely. It's, it's balancing that many characters on screen and making it f- still feel like it's, you know, the original five or original six Avengers movie, um, but also paving a way for the future that doesn't feel like, you know, paving a way for the future. In a lot of Marvel movies in the past, you know, they feel good on their own, but at the end of the day, you feel like, okay, this, this movie's just, it's just setting up future movies. And Avengers Endgame doesn't. It really does feel like the, the end of a chapter, the end of a saga, and uh, who better to give an award to than the Russo brothers, right? Or maybe there's somebody even better to give it to by the end of this discussion. We'll, we'll get there. Um, moving on here, supporting actress would be the next category I'm going to tackle. Of course, there's many, many different options. A couple of these are more or less just, uh, just kind of throwing the throwing the actress a bone. I don't think that they're really any sort of real contenders. That's you know Diana Silvers and Booksmart. I thought was a standout star, a breakout star, really. I mean, she had particularly been in anything else besides Booksmart to this point. Then, of course, a week or two later, she was in Ma. And then, if it's still going to be released later this year, she's supposed to be in Eve with Jessica Chastain, which is like an action thriller. We'll see if that comes to be, um, but if not for anything else, she's been two very good performances so far this year, and I can't imagine her career not going anywhere but up from here. So she was really great. Also uh, worth mentioning that someone, you know, a veteran like Emma Thompson in Late Night, most likely another movie that would be forgotten. It just didn't get the buzz or box office to to warrant, uh, you know, awards push. I don't think. Uh, but she was really good in Late Night. I think the movie was was solid. I think it had better promise than it actually turned out to be, but it was solid. Um, so I don't really see that having particular legs, you know, eight, nine months from now. Uh, you know, but it's also worth mentioning somebody who is in a bigger movie, um, but it's also a younger actress who I don't see her getting any attention. If anything, it'll be somebody, you know, like Margot Robbie in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I might mention her in Lead Actress. I don't think she really has any sort of chance. She just doesn't have a big enough role. But in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the one actress that stood out to me the most was Margaret Qualley. I think if you can hold your own with Brad Pitt in a couple different scenes, when it's just you one-on-one, and you could feel like you're you know, exchanging blows left and right, tit for tat, um... You deserve some sort of recognition. And Margaret Qualley was very, very good. Hopefully, you know, maybe she gets some love come award season. I had to, Again, I don't think her character was that big or important enough to the actual story. She just kind of, in a way, her arc is getting Brad Pitt to where he needs to go in the movie. Um, so more of a piece for another puzzle. But So Margaret Qualley was really great. It's also mentioning, I mentioned Diana Silvers. I mentioned Emma Thompson. Uh, the other actress that I think actually does have a chance, if the farewell uh, does get an awards push, it's Shuzen Zhao, and she plays Nai Nai in uh, the farewell, the grandma essentially to Aquafina. She was amazing in this movie. The one-liners that they are able to give her as as the grandma are impeccable. They're hilarious, but also really, really uh, emotional at the same time, especially where that story goes. It, it it does it does go in unexpected directions. I will say that, um, but she's a constant uh, throughout the whole movie. But to me, right now, 
um, it comes down to Julie Walters in, in Wild Rose. I thought she was, she, you know, didn't overshadow Jesse Buckley, but she was, she was darn close to, to being the best part of the movie, uh, particularly towards the last 25, 30 minutes of the movie when she, when her character kind of makes a particular choice, um, goes a certain direction. Um, I, I think, I think that that really elevated her character to a different level. I think the movie was very, very good at that point, but once there's a, a choice within her character, the movie takes off for the last 15, 20 minutes and becomes something else entirely. Uh, so that's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil that particular arc. I thought she was just very, very good. And of course, I know some people want you know Karen Gillan to end up in this category with Avengers Endgame. I just, I don't think there's any sort of chance. I think she that was her best performance in the MCU so far, and I think she's improved every movie since Guardians. Um, but there's just no real chance. So in that category, I'm going to go Julia Walters for Wild Rose. Then we get to probably the most empty category so far this year, and that's supporting actor. So I really don't think I have to talk most uh, much about this category because there's only really one option. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple of honorable, honorable mentions. We Bruce Stern in The Mustang, the aforementioned Bruce Stern. I, I did enjoy his his performance uh, up aside uh, uh, Matthias Schoenarts. Um, again, the movie hopefully will not be forgotten, although I didn't even get to see it in theaters because it wasn't in theaters that long. So we'll see there. Uh, someone like Keanu Reeves was fantastic in Always Be My Maybe. I, again, that it, it, the role is incredibly goofy and would never be something he'd get nominated for. Uh, but if, if I had to nominate four people right now or three or four people right now, he would be... He would be on my list. Um, so I thought he was really good, and he's just having such a great year overall. And I'm sure it'll continue to next year with Bill and Ted. But yeah, I've already mentioned him a couple times, but the Oscar for Supporting Actor right now goes to Brad Pitt. He is perhaps the best he's ever been in a movie in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I sure really hope, I mean, I could see a better performance by the end of the year. Maybe I will. I probably will. But... but the likelihood of it is that I will see a better supporting actor performance, but I'm going to give it to Brad Pitt right now. And I mean, just ever he, he is so good. And I'm worried that maybe, um, they would push him towards lead because like I said, the movie kind of ends up being his story as much as it is, you know, Leo's arc, uh, being an actor in Hollywood, Brad Pitt has the, the better arc. So, Hopefully they put him in a supporting role in the awards push and he actually gets nominated because I think he's just absolutely fantastic. Now, on to the last three categories. We're going to start with Best Actress. Another relatively, I'm not going to say stacked, but there's a lot of good performances early on here. Um, Special shout-out, first of all. This movie would never get nominated, but... It's worth mentioning how good Haley Lou Richardson is in Five Feet Apart. Um, it's a movie that, because it's a, a you know a young adult, you know Fault in Our Stars esque movie. I don't think half the Academy voters have probably even seen this movie, but and perhaps maybe she stands out so much because the movie's so average, but she is so darn good and believable. Um, you know, as a hospital patient who falls in love with another with the same condition and they kind of, you know, go on their adventures from there. Um, 
So that would be Haley Richardson, Five Feet Apart. I have a feeling in a couple years she'll be on an actual list for, for Best Actress. So here's hoping. Margot Robbie, of course, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's very good. She just doesn't have a big enough role. Uh, Florence Pugh in something like Fighting with My Family in Midsummer. Also, two very, very good performances. I did not like Midsummer at all, um, but I, I thought she was very good, and she's even better in Fighting with My Family. It's one of my favorite movies this year so far, so... Uh, you know, I would love to see something like that nominated. I just don't think there's any real chance. Lupita Nyong'o in Us. I think this movie's lost steam with, uh, you know, both critics and fans over the last five months. There was such a buzz about it within the first week of its release, and I think it just kind of died down. It's not something like Get Out where it stayed, you know, it stayed in theaters for a long time, stayed in people's minds for a long time. I think Us is kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's filtered out of the. the the audience so but i think lupita is fantastic but clearly the best part of the movie especially the stuff towards the end the spoiler territory stuff wow wow did not see that coming so i mean i saw her performance coming that being that good but some of the, the stuff they do with her character did not see that coming um julianne moore for gloria bell uh, it's a movie that was you know adapted from another movie called gloria so i don't know how i don't know how likely it is that julianne moore will get nominated for this especially since probably made what one million two million there's just no way uh, but it's a really good movie uh, again i discussed it in a way earlier episode but it's one of those movies where i love the last five minutes of the movie and up until then it was just an okay movie and then once it hits those last five to ten minutes it's easily an 8.5 out of 10 for me so um of course i should you know throw a bone to caitlin dever and beanie feldstein combined for book smart they're very good i just don't think it's oscar winning performances i think the the bigger star of that movie is the director olivia wilde and the writers um and maybe somebody like aquafina in the farewell i think that that's almost you could probably put it likely that she would be either winning the award for you know golden globe award or just getting nominated for an oscar i don't know that she would win so far this year i i don't think that she has the best performance but she's certainly up there and somebody who i haven't been the hugest fan of in the past so i'm really happy to report that she was very good in the farewell uh, but to me my favorite performance by an actress this year is jesse buckley in wild rose uh it, I feel like I sound like a broken record here, but the last 15 to 20 minutes of most of these movies make or break the movie. And I've always been a fan of, of movies that can get me towards the end, and Wild Rose was, was more of the same. You know, I gave it to Julia Walters for Best Supporting Actress. I'm giving it to uh, Jesse Buckley here for Lead Actress. It's there's, some, there's one particular scene because, you know, she becomes like a housemaid for uh, a family nearby, a family friend or whatever. Uh, and she befriends the, the mother of the family, and they have a good dynamic back and forth. I don't remember the character name, so I can't say it, or the actress name, sadly. But, but Jesse Butler has particularly great dynamic back and forth with the mother of this family. Um, but there's, you know, there's something hidden in their relationship where she's not revealing a certain piece of information that would be, you know, kind of good to reveal to somebody you're working for. But there's a particular scene when kind of, you know, the shit hits the fan where Jesse Buckley really, really brings it in a, as an actress. And something, remember when she showed that in the in Beast last summer, when how, you know, when there's something building inside her character, when she kind of explodes, the real actress comes out of her, and she is, I don't want to say pun intended, Beast comes out of her, but seriously, uh, she, she's a force in this movie towards the end. So 
I would give it to Jesse Buckley. Also, she sings, and that's just always a plus, and not something like Rami Malek, who didn't sing, um, but it won the Oscar, but, you know, oh well. Still would have given that to Bradley Cooper, but that's a different discussion, right? Uh, let's move on to Best Actor. So this is another, it's weird. The, the actress is clearly this year way, way better than the actors, at least in the, in the uh, you know, Oscar contended movies. So that, that's my opinion, at least. Um, you know, you have somebody like Leo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't even think he's going to get nominated. He was so good. You know, I'd be happy to see him get nominated. Um, but I just don't, I don't think that that role is juicy enough, you know, for an Oscar. But that's just me. Uh, Matthias Schoenarts, I've already mentioned how good the Mustang is and how good he is. I think he's better than the movie itself. There's certain things that they do with his character that I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, but I was really, really happy with his performance. And hopefully he gets more leading roles in Hollywood because he is so dang good. Uh, but I just don't think people know it yet. Um, wasn't he Was he in the aftermath? No, no, no that was... Uh, that was somebody else. I was just thinking if he was in the aftermath. No, he was. He, oh God, what other movie? He was in that movie with Carrie Mulligan a couple years ago. Uh, that apparently was pretty good. I just haven't seen it yet. But Matthias Schoenarts, all the way back to Rust and Bone, huge fan of him. Uh, when he starred with Marion Cotillard, that was one of my favorite foreign films that year. So, big props to him. Hopefully, he you know continues to get roles. But he just wouldn't be my choice this year so far. Taron Edgerton as well is very good in Rocket Man. Um, and I think that maybe he's getting more of a push this year because Rami Malek won last year for Bohemian Rhapsody, and it's you know same director, and people just think it's you know might be more likely that he would get nominated because that's kind of the hot thing right now was music biopics. But my pick, and I'm not gonna, I'm not even sure that they would they're gonna make a, a push for him in leading. But my pick for leading actor this year would be the one and only Robert Downey Jr. in Avengers Endgame. One thing I came out of Avengers Endgame knowing, and the first time I watched it, the first time I watched it, I knew I liked it, but I wasn't sure about that middle act. But the one thing I was sure about the whole movie was Robert Downey Jr.'s performance and the arc that they gave him and that poignant feeling of of really the entire body of work as a whole for him as Iron Man. What has he played him nine, ten times now? like seven or eight starring times as Iron Man, maybe nine, ten. I don't even know. We have lost track at this point. What, three Iron Man movies, four Avengers movies, one Captain America movie, one Spider-Man movie, a couple cameos here and there. So I'll take that any day. Um, and to me, it just it just is the best performance. And again, I think it's more of a supporting role because I think the entire ensemble is leads like it's they're all leads they're all supporting there's not one particular um person that you could say is the lead um but if you had to say one it it, it has to be robert downey jr and just uh, some of the moments that he with his daughter in this movie were particularly emotional just didn't see that coming didn't know that they were going to use that storyline um so to me it's it's robert downey jr and now we get to the last category, and that would be Best Picture. Probably going to, you know, you've heard me talk about just about all these movies so far. I'm going to run them down real quick. We have Toy Story 4, Is It Possible? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Wild Rose, How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Farewell, Booksmart. But to me, it's Avengers Endgame. I'm sorry, it is. It's my second favorite movie of the year. My, my 
favorite movie is How to Train Your Dragon 3. But if I'm going to nominate a movie for Best Picture, a movie that, that needs to have the, the achievement uh, or deserves the achievement of a Best Picture nomination, it just is Avengers Endgame. Uh, you know, we all thought of Avengers Infinity War was this massive achievement, and it was. But it's nothing really compared to Avengers Endgame in terms of scope, in terms of uh, finality, and really the epicness of it. Um, so I would give that award to Avengers Endgame. So running down the awards I've given so far, uh, original screenplay would be given to Booksmart, adapted screenplay would be given to Avengers Endgame, directing to Avengers Endgame, supporting actress Wild Rose with Julie Walters, supporting actor Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, best actress Jesse Buckley in Wild Rose, best actor Robert Downey Jr. in Avengers Endgame, and best picture Avengers Endgame. So I, I mean, I hope that some of these, uh, some of these come to pass. I think the Booksmart one would be the most uh, deserving in terms of, uh, you know, coming from a small movie background to getting a nomination. Just like Eighth Grade probably should have been nominated for more than, uh, you know, what, what did what did Ellie Fisher, Elsie Fisher get nominated for like a Golden Globe or something or a SAG award? Uh, it, that movie deserved more recognition than it got. Same with Leave No Trace. I just love these small movie stories that have a shot, and then eventually they get nominated. I would just love to see that with Booksmart, as well as Wild Rose and Gloria Bell, uh, Fighting with My Family, you know, all these smaller movies that, that just deserve to be seen more. The Farewell, of course. That is expanding into the more theaters this weekend, so hopefully it does get more recognition. But, you know, that those are my awards so far. thought I'd wrap up with, uh, boy, oh, boy. This news about movie pass is absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, they might have been changing passwords and locking people out of accounts um, in order to save money. Oh, wait, no. I already knew this. I had movie pass last summer, and I remember getting locked out of my account randomly. I remember those random surcharges or, or you know, random it's just, whatever they were doing. It was ridiculous. Locking people out of accounts uh, on purpose. All the shady stuff that Mitch Lowe has done, it's its ridiculous. Somebody deserves to probably be sent to prison at this point. Uh, I can't even believe some of the things that were in this article that I was reading. Uh, that's MoviePass. But, you know, it, to be honest, it's one of those things where I'm happy that MoviePass existed. You know, I was one of those customers back, what was it, 2015, I had it, 2014, into like the summer of 2016 when it was 35 bucks a month for unlimited movies. But to me, that was, I mean, no-brainer. I was going to movies three, four times a week. I was easily getting up to, I probably would be spending 60 bucks a month at that point. So I was saving a shit ton of money. I mean, why why wouldn't I do this movie pass? I loved using it. I thought it was a great system. It was the easiest thing to use. You just check in and it automatically adds you to the card. There wasn't any sort of like, oh, reserve time and then blah, blah, blah. And then you have to be a certain amount of feet within the theater and you can't see a movie twice and you can't check in for this and then you can't use it for snacks and all this extra sort of, ridiculousness around movie pass that ended up being when they went to the ten dollar a month option which was one of the best investments i've probably ever had in my life i remember counting it up last summer when i stopped my movie pass from like august 2017 to august 2018 is when i had movie pass i had it for a full year um i think from that point i saw right around 109 movies or something like 107 movies i counted through movie pass um and what 10 bucks a month for 12 months is 120 bucks i was spending 
what just you know a little bit over a, a dollar per movie i mean that is it, it, who wouldn't do that so I, I was really happy that it existed happy that they went to that you know lower price and, and took advantage of it certainly took advantage of it probably more so that than they ever wanted me to um but you know then it spawned other subscription services so you have you know amc a list which of course i'm a avid user of and i think that that's the the better option and it is the better option of the ten dollar movie pass because you were never able to see the you know, the imax or not that i ever see 3d but you couldn't see 3d you couldn't see dolby cinema you couldn't see d box you know all these extra uh pluses you know and, and you also have the the extra added bonus of the you know the a-list benefits um that you get with with being an a-list member like uh, the the lines that you ha- that you can avoid, although you, I really don't stand in line anyway, because um, I use the app to buy the tickets. But something like when you're buying snacks, which of course I rarely do anyway, but um, there there's so many more benefits to Ala. So I'm happy that it spawned something like that, and I think, um, you know, I think we shall be thankful for Movie Pass, although it's one of the most ridiculous um, articles I've ever read detailing what they really did to customers so unethical probably legal um as well so good riddance get out of here movie pass also worth mentioning the the package that disney plus released that um would be going into effect in november so we have just under three months i believe until disney plus debuts of course there's going to be tons and tons of content a lot of content i've already seen but it's worth revisiting perhaps and you get the entire pretty much lore of of disney movies and disney shows and all that stuff but they announced that they were doing a package deal with hulu and espn plus for only a simple price of 12.99 which is i believe the exact same price as netflix Um, so it's interesting that you know disney plus is going to be netflix probably biggest rival uh, and Disney already owns Hulu for the most part. I think I don't know if they own 100% of it, but they own most of Hulu. So I love that they're doing this package deal. And the ESPN Plus thing is cool, but like I, I mean, I you know I watched the, the White Sox, I watched Notre Dame, I watched the Bulls and Bears, but I'm not watching every sporting event. I'll watch the big events, but they're always they're already on the other cable channels. So I don't really need ESPN Plus. I just think it's a cool addition. Um, but all for the to simple price of 12.99. So I, w- I was happy about that. Certainly looking forward to the streaming wars to come. Hopefully it doesn't end what movie theaters are kind of going for, um, which is keeping people in theaters, but not just having the, the big budget movies in theaters for three months while the little ones get sucked into the, the hole of winning or gaining what a million dollars per movie and then getting out of theaters in less than a week. Um, so, Certainly, I love the, the, the deal that AMC is doing with AMC Artisan, try to keep the, the lower independent movies in theaters for longer. Um, I think it's a, it's a really great thing to have, certainly for movies like Wild Rose, The Farewell, and, and Booksmart, like we've discussed so much already in the podcast. But there's so many movies to, to look forward to this fall. Um, hopefully, this list of you know, potential Oscar nominations actually gets more legit. I feel like this... It's a pretty weak list. I was like expecting it to be a lot more, you know, uh, more acclaimed, you know, recognition that I would be able to give to a lot of these you know, movies. But 
you know, oh, well, there's, there's been, there's, it, I feel like it's been top heavy. You know, there's been a lot of great movies at the top and maybe not so much towards the bottom. A lot of disappointments in the blockbusters as well. But that's it. That's the show. That's the awards I gave out. That's the good riddance to movie pass. R.I.P. Thank you.